Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Scripture was written down for our instruction. These stories are history, but something we can learn from, something given to us as a treasure. Still, though, it takes a certain kind of self-centeredness to ignore the soul's suffering inside of them so completely that we are willing to assume that God cared more about an object lesson than their pains. Even though that does tend to be how we read these things. Look, this guy was deaf. He had a speech impediment. But, you know, that's fine that he suffered all his life as long as I managed to learn something from it. Jesus has powers, so it's fine that he hurt. Really? There is inside of all of us something which dehumanizes that which is far away or different. Which is why, as perverse and disgusting as it is, if we want to raise money for starving kids, we actually have to show you pictures of them before you'll give money. Really? You want to look at that? So you'll finally care? See, it's not just that seeing is believing. It's that we honestly don't care unless we can relate. We won't even try to understand unless we can tell ourselves, look, they are just like us. Which means if you happen to be the one who is far off, or even the one who is close by but just different, the world is a very lonely and dark place, which this deaf mute could probably relate to, to feel that different, that cut off, that apart. He saw everything, but he couldn't interact with it. Everywhere he went, people looked at him, but they didn't understand him. He was different. And I'm sure he went looking for God's plan in all of this and came up empty. Because as often as we try and tell ourselves God has a plan and that should somehow make what we're going through okay, it is of no comfort knowing God has a plan if he doesn't tell you what it is and you don't understand it. We set ourselves so far apart from these things and try and grab object lessons from them. But what if the whole point of this man's soul isn't simply to be an object lesson to you? What if you weren't the center of the universe, but instead at that center was a loving and merciful God? And what if that God actually cared that this man was suffering? What if even when the world couldn't understand him and he couldn't understand why, God knew him? And God understood him. And God was willing to do something about it. Mark's miracles are explicit. They're graphic in a way that sometimes the other ones aren't. Jesus sticks his finger right in this guy's ear. He spits in his mouth and he sighs. He groans before speaking the word that would heal him. And sometimes I think we're not comfortable with Jesus inside of our bubble. But even more so, we're not comfortable with the Jesus who takes his time who seems distraught to have to come down from heaven and help us. We treat Jesus like a procrastinating seventh grader who I guess will finally do the work if we compel him enough. 
But if all it really took is one little word, why did this guy have to live so long when we could have had just as easily a miracle story about how Jesus brought healing to a toddler so he could grow up not being the outcast? We get this idea that miracles are free. They cost nothing other than a word. But that's not true. Miracles are not free. Miracles cost. For the thing that this man needs is the undoing of sin itself. This reason that he was born deaf, and even if we can't find somebody to pin the blame on, we can attribute to sin, that which wrecks creation, that which breaks stuff, that sin ground into the creation, ground into the very dust of the earth ever since Adam and Eve fell into it. The reason that all of creation cries outwardly, help, so things aren't the way they are supposed to be. And if God is going to fix what sin broke, he has to bear the consequences that sin would wage. Miracles are not free because every last time Jesus would undo the damage that sin does, he has to make a promise. I will pay for it instead. He groans as he heals this man, not because he is annoyed that he finally has to do some work, but because he assumes something very heavy onto his own shoulders. He picks up this man's curse. He picks up this man's pain. He picks up this man's sin itself, and he has promised he will carry it. He will help. He will bear this weight all the way into the cross itself, where he will bleed and die for sinners whose fault it is and whose fault it isn't. Jesus bled and died for this deaf man to forgive the sin which brought the curse. He bleeds and dies for you and for me to forgive all of the times that you were so self-centered that you would ignore the people suffering around you so that you could learn something. And he bleeds and dies for you, the outcast, even if it isn't your fault who are bearing the cost of sin. You see, God loves creation. He loves you inside of it. He made it to live. And if something would come along to kill it, he's got to fix that. He loves you so much that he would enter this creation not to heal a select few and then go back up into heaven so that we could talk about how great he is, but to come here and actually offer rescue to you and to me suffering under the very same burdens that this man dealt with. He came to bleed and die for you and for me that we might have life. He came to undo the wages of sin that we might have the free gift of life. Every last miracle that we pray for is built on this. Christ bled and died to effect it. This man's healing comes not from his willpower, not from anything other than Christ who was crucified and risen. And so for you and for me who are desperate for our own miracles and praying and coming up empty, we too can know all our miracles come from something that was already paid for. Christ who would answer our prayers is not lazy. Christ who would answer our prayers does not need our compelling. He has already answered. He has already worked the life in the very face of death that we are so desperate for. So that as we gather together to pray week after week and feel like it's not not working, we might have something to hold on to. Christ himself was crucified and risen for you and for me, that if he has to drag you out of the grave to give you the life that he has promised you, he will do it. Christ is risen for you. Your debts have been paid. Every last prayer is based on this. Your debts have been paid. Whether you see it or not, your debts have been paid. So when you look for miracles and you are afraid coming up empty. Look to the place where all of them flow out of and know that you've already got it. He's already died for you. He's already shown the love. He will continue to work for you at any cost. When you don't understand what's going on around you, you don't have to search out God's hidden plan 
He reveals the most important parts of it to you. When you have no idea why the world looks like it does, he speaks. Not of answers you wouldn't understand, but a word. A word that affects reality, even as it promises life. Be opened. So be it. Your sins are forgiven. So be it. Live. So be it. Take and eat. This is my body. So be it. Comfort. At the end of the day, comfort is not a plan that we aren't told and can't understand. It is a promise that actually delivers the very same thing that it speaks. A promise that God has carried your burdens and your pains and your sins. And a promise that he will be near to you to carry you the rest of the way too. That whatever you are going through and can't understand, you can know what the cross would speak to it. You have the victory over it. You have the rescue from it. You have the life even in the face of the death that it would bring. And whatever else is going on, Christ has already given the victory that none of those things can take away. Whatever you feel about not being understood yourself, know that God has seen you and he has answered. Whether other people understand you or not, you are worthy of love, for God has paid the price for you. That is our hope. And that is enough. Not that we ourselves are sufficient. Not that what we're doing right now and how well we are is sufficient. But that God's love is. Him who saved us, who spoke words to us from the cross. That is our sufficiency. That is our hope. That is our enough. And it sounds great to speak it this way, except when church is over, you got to go back out into all the same problems that you had when you walked in here. And we can't help but think that things would just go a little bit better if we could actually couple them with miraculous healings. I can't help but tell myself what a great pastor I would be if I could actually cure cancer, that my pews would be full and I would be fantastic. And when people heard my testimony, boy, they would love it. We cannot help but think that if we could actually couple this stuff to real healing, it would work so much better. And it seems like such an easy way to sell things that we can't understand why Jesus would tell this guy that he healed to be quiet about it. Except it's not reverse psychology. And it's not even that Jesus hates missions. It's just an understanding that maybe the whole church doesn't stand or fall on whether or not this man is understood and managed to be a sufficiently compelling example as he gives his testimony. Maybe the church stands or falls on Christ who is crucified and risen. He says, tell no one, because what if maybe this guy should maybe just get to be the guy who was free instead of the guy who had to explain himself everywhere he goes for the whole rest of his life? What if God in his mercy and his love would send out preachers who would actually affect these very same promises so that it doesn't stand or fall on your personal testimony? What if this church could even then exist when a whole bunch of sinners who are wrestling with things they can't conquer on their own would gather together for help from Jesus and what if he would place that help right here in our midst what if when it was time he would send out preachers to very powerfully speak words that he himself would affect be opened be forgiven be healed live in the stead and by the command of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit this is what the church stands or falls on Jesus for sinners so be saved because he has paid for it. And when you don't see it, and when you don't understand it, and when you don't even feel understood, look to where God has promised it. Look to where he has been promised to be found. And know that even now he is working, and he is working for you. Because we have never, ever measured this thing in miracles. That guy who was doing all the really cool miracles that we wish were still happening this day, they nailed him to a cross. It wasn't all that compelling. You realize this, right? 
Our religion is measured in the fact that after nailing him to the cross, he rose from the dead. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Here, here we have something to build on. Here, we have hope in more than just this life, more than what we can understand. We have hope in a life in the face of death. We have hope in a Christ who was risen after he was crucified, and this might even change how we see each other, that we would even try to understand each other because we are worth being understood, because God has paid the price. He has carried our weight to the very cross and back out again, that when I look at somebody and I can't for the life of me understand why they're doing the dumb stuff that they're doing because my sin happens to be different than their sins, so I think that theirs is gross. I might actually see the God who died for that sinner too and say they are worthy of being understood because God understood them and God loved them enough to bleed and die for them. This, this is how we are to look at each other as souls redeemed by Christ who was crucified, not object lessons that we can dismiss, that we can see each other even through the haze that sin would leave to mark each other as forgiven by Christ and then maybe even to help each other and to know that God is still present here working life and unity and hope even when we don't have all the answers because we still have the God who speaks. Be opened. Here, here the church gathers, because here God makes himself present for you, not just to point to a better tomorrow, but even to affect it today. He makes himself present here, for the way of the cross is an opening, not that we would remain in silence, not that we would remain alone, not that we would remain apart, but that we would be gathered, and we would be made holy, and we would be forgiven, that week after week we can kneel together as something bigger than ourselves. We are the ones who eat and drink Jesus' body and blood. We are the ones he makes holy. We are the ones he joins to heaven itself, that angels and archangels would sing our songs. We are the ones who live, for Christ has gathered us. He has redeemed us, and he has saved us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let this be your peace. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.